are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge, 402-342-1290. If you'd like to join the conversation, we're going to spend some time here. A segment that I uh, I actually personally enjoy, especially lately, and that is on the the future of healthcare. <laughs> I've been saying the machines are going to be taking over for a while, just because of all of the uh, emergences with um, artificial intelligence and um, Watson, for example, IBM's Watson. Um, not only was he able to win Jeopardy, but now they're using Watson to uh, really monitor and attack how to treat cancer. And so we thought we'd spend a few moments here on the program talking about. Uh, with our guest co-host Lee Hankey, some of the the uh, things that he's seeing uh, from a IT standpoint. What are some of the technologies uh, you're excited about that you think could really change healthcare in the future? Yeah, I, I think you mentioned one of them right off the off the bat with Watson, because there's so much new research and development that is occurring each and every day, and for a physician to be able to keep up with the latest in that is a challenge. So if we can apply tools that can quickly comb through the data and uh, be, be there at the ready to help physicians uh, make uh, decisions that are evidence-based, uh, that's wonderful. I, th- I think the other thing that you're really going to see is a proliferation of tools that are directly linked to smartphones. Um, I uh, saw a national speaker, a cardiologist by the name of Dr. Eric Topol, and he is really kind of a pioneer in, in talking about healthcare technology and revolution and so forth. And as he is speaking, he had a he had an EKG hooked up to his phone. He had a sensor uh, that showed oxygen saturation from his finger. It showed his temperature. It showed his heart rate. Everything right there. And so if you think about how could we apply that, well, instead of having to come in and have all those vitals measured, you could send those right uh, directly across to your physician from the comfort of your home. And so I think what we're going to see is we're going to see a, a bigger um, use of technology around patient convenience and patient satisfaction. Um, when you think of, um, you know, video chats or what we would call FaceTime with the iPhone and so forth, you know, maybe a physician, you know, couldn't, you couldn't hold the camera up and have them look in your throat and diagnose strep, but they could say, you know what, Um, why don't you go to the pharmacist, and there's an article about this in the World Herald not long ago, the pharmacist could actually do that rapid diagnostic test for for strep, and if it uh, actually is strep, they could call back the physician, they'd say, yes, let's let's write a a prescription and and go from there. So I think you're going to see uh, the revolution around technology just really bring convenience back to the consumer. Do you think um, the convenience is, is, is obviously nice, but do you think it's going to uh, lead to poor quality or good quality? Uh, I, I don't know. Some, some, some skeptics might be like, well, how can he really tell by looking at me through a phone, for example? Yeah, you know, um, so I, I've, I've heard that as well. And so I think what we have to do is work with the system. So you see a lot of uh, the example that I'll give you, Sean, to your question is you see a lot of retail health clinics popping up within pharmacies and grocery stores and those sorts of things. And so consumers use that because there's some value to them. Either it's convenient for them, there's clarity around what things cost, you know, they can get right in where maybe they can't with their physician. But the other thing that we know in studies from individuals that, that use those clinics is a lot of them don't have relationships with primary care physicians, which is essential. It's, it's really uh, the bedrock to what we're talking about in disease state management. So 
uh, we as a system need to figure out how do we work with those uh, with those entities as partners, or how do we replicate the services that they're providing to make sure there is a high-quality interface at that point of care? Yeah. I think the reason people are using them is because of convenience, because no offense to the doctors out there, but... Uh, you know, sometimes closing at five o'clock might not work for everybody, especially if they've, you know, got kids or they're they're working all the time. It's just absolutely, different. yeah. It's the access. It's the, it's just that leg of the stool, right? And so we need to say, okay, if it's if it's because after five o'clock there's no care, then how do we, as as a Nebraska Health Network, look at clinic locations that could stay open after hours and provide that care that they're looking for? You guys are doing that now. Think we're looking at it? we're looking at opportunities to to extend that, and we have some patient centered medical homes that are doing that. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. So, what are some of the other technologies that have caught your attention um, in the past uh, couple of years? I I think I'd mentioned that artificial intelligence. Uh, uh, yeah. That's uh, going to be essentially you could. I kind of what was the name of Iron Man's computer? Uh, do you remember that? Um, I don't know. You just saw yeah. the movie, yeah. yeah. But that's kind of what I picture when I think of artificial intelligence: is that that um, handling um, IT for a for a hospital or something like that? Yeah, you know, I think um, one of the things that you're going to see is, is laboratory uh, change quite a bit. There's a company called Theranos now that, um, with a very small drop of blood, can do a variety of lab tests, uh, probably at, at half the cost that we see in traditional settings, and so those. Actual labs will be, uh, they're starting to be in Walgreens across the, the nation. And so, you know, I think some of the things that traditionally we have seen um, where you either had to go in and the cost was very high, there's a lot of technology coming to bear that will bring the cost down. And that's a positive thing uh, for consumers as Let's well. Let's think about that point just on that, on the, the Theranos example. Um, I had to get some blood work done recently, and it seems like they filled up all of these vials um, with blood, but they're able to just do it by a, a, a simple little. For for some of those tests, right, and so I you know couldn't say exactly for what you had done, but sure. a lot of the common ones, uh, absolutely, yeah, and you know, and it's the other thing about them is on their website there's very transparent pricing of what everything costs, and so I think that's the other thing, both for consumers and physicians is really understanding what do different procedures and what do different um, routes of care cost. Uh, the example I always use is I had a family member that had a. Um, an elective surgery where there was some time we could wait and I had a conversation with her physician about where we should have that surgery done and so we talked about quality I said uh, doc is it will you, is it the same team performing the surgery in hospital A and B and he said yes I said what about the uh, care team he said yes very competent care teams at each one and I said what about the cost between the two hospitals and he said roughly the same and, I, and I'm the one, actually, that negotiated that contract, so I knew there was a difference. And I said, well, actually, it would be 40% less expensive at Hospital A versus Hospital B. And uh, he had no idea of that. So I think even the physicians that are you know, the trusted advisors for us as patients, if we can arm them better with that information, too, and bear some technology to allow uh, that understanding to be easy, uh, that would be a, a big advancement for that. How do you think we could do that? Well, I think it needs to be a partnership. So today, um, payers are the ones that negotiate rates uh, with providers, and so those vary. Um, I, I think there is a need for more transparency, um, just open and honest uh, dialogue and, and display about what things cost. So um, kind of in, in, in the past, negotiations have been this secretive behind closed doors thing. And you know, I, I think it'd be nice if uh, uh, we as providers were all paid about the same and we could differentiate ourselves based on the value and the quality of care that we deliver back to consumers. And so, you know, I think to answer your question directly, um, you know, partnership, I think, with payers to help display those things to individuals 
And there's some of that going on today, but today um, there's not a lot of incentive yet for uh, consumers to shop uh, on some of those key items because that would take them over their deductible anyway. And so the difference in their final pocket isn't, isn't great. On that point of deductibles, how, how how huge do you think that is? I think I saw one headline. I'll have to pull it up, but just um, the amount that uh, families are having to bear now because of the high deductibles shifting. Um, yeah, I think it's a real challenge for, for individuals. And, you know, on the good side of that, a lot of the preventive services are covered at 100%. And so that's really intended to say, let's not avoid the, the critical care, the, the physicals, and, and the things that really help us understand um, our own personal health. And I've always said, you know, that's kind of the first aspect of consumerism, understanding your own health and how it compares to, you know, where you should be and the things that you can do around that. And the deductibles um, have went up and up. And uh, so there's a challenge there. Thankfully, some people have health savings accounts that they can use to fill that. Um, but I know for others, it's a struggle. Um, thankfully, for the very low-income individuals, there's cost-sharing support, as you know, within the sure. ACA that, that, that help with that uh, deductible gap. Looks like I found that statistic. Out-of-pocket uh, spending exploding 20% of family income being spent on health care. So uh, I hope organizations like yours can continue to come up with uh, ways to provide it at a, at a lower cost, high quality, which I, I think you guys are on the right track. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I think um, as that continues to go up, you're going to have even more active participation by consumers. They can't be passive uh, participants in the, in the health care. And so uh, holding us accountable to delivering that is what we need. Sounds great. We got one more segment, which will be our final thoughts with Lee Hanke, CEO of Nebraska Health Network. I am Sean McGuire. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge online at healthreformexplained.com and again on facebook.com slash America's Healthcare Challenge. We'll be right back.